last week, and uh, it's, a, it's a series that we are, basically we're going through the six core values of New Life Church and looking at how they define us as a church, as well as how they help to define us as individual followers of Jesus Christ. And so we looked at the first one last week, kingdom-minded. Again, as Pastor Lindsay mentioned, they, these messages are on available audio on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, that you can avail yourself to that. And if you'd like a DVD, they're $100. So, uh, I'm, to- I'm teasing. Uh, they're two fifty, actually. So, no, I don't even know what they are. So, um, but they are—they are available on our website. And, um, but I'm going to invite you to open your Word with us. Open the Bibles, your Bibles, to First Corinthians chapter four, uh, is where we're going to uh, be today, primarily. First Corinthians chapter four. You know, we're talking about values. Values, they are what's important to us. They are ideals. Every single one of us have values. We might not really, per se, can list them out or, can, or anything, but if we look at our life, how we live our life, how we spend our time and our energy and our resources, that speaks to who we are. That speaks to what we Value And so the question you and I should ask ourselves is, what is important to us? What do we really value? And the answer to, that, to those questions will reveal who we really are. And if we have values that, that aren't really cemented and rooted in God's Word, then that's an indication that if we profess to be Christians and followers of Christ, then we need to look at how we can change that. Because that's something God wants to work in each and every one of our lives. You know, Jesus has values. He values the church a whole lot. That's one of his biggest values. And before we move on, I'm going to say a word of prayer over today's word today. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the presence of heaven here in our midst. I thank you, God. You're not just a God who is around us, but you are a God who lives in us. We are thankful for the Holy Spirit that fills our life. And we are thankful for your word now. And Lord, I ask for a special understanding today of your word. I pray for revelation upon every heart, upon every mind today, that we will use our minds to think, we will use our ears to listen, and we will use our hearts to accept your words. Today, Father, where we are maybe off base, off track in our path, in our journey in life with you today, I pray you would would just course correct us today. May we have lives that yield to your hand of course correction. And Lord, where we are on track, may we not get the big head, but Lord, may we continue to be humble because that continues to bring grace that you provide us to stay strong and to stay committed. Holy Spirit, bring forth understanding and revelation now. 
And may we give you our undivided attention over these next few minutes as we go to your word for teaching and understanding and guidance and challenge and change. We love you and we give you thanks now, God, that you love us so much that you gave us your word. You gave us Jesus, who is the word made flesh. We honor you and we thank you today. May our hearts be lifted, our spirits be stronger, our souls be comforted by your spirit today, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Who longs for that? Praise God. Amen. You know, Jesus values the church. In fact, he, he tells us in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew records this. We went into detail about this last week. But basically, he, he has this little conversation with his disciples, and he tells us through in Matthew 16 that he says, I'm putting together my church. I'm building my church in such a way that they will be so full and expansive with energy that even the gates of hell will not even be able to keep them out. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to put together my church. The word there for church is the word Greek word ecclesia, which means people, the assembling and the coming together of God's people. So he's saying, I'm putting together my people, not a building, but a people. I'm putting together my people in such a way that their lives will be strong and their lives will be victorious. Anybody want to live a strong and victorious life on this earth or you want to live defeated and always put out? Anybody want to live strong and victorious? I got any takers on that today? Yeah, praise God. I hope that's your heart. You want to be strong and you want to be victorious because that is who Jesus is making us to be. And he said, I'm, I'm going to give them access into my kingdom, and I'm going to give them authority into my kingdom. In other words, my God will be strong for them, and my God will be strong through them. Because that's the kind of people I'm putting together in my church. So the way that Jesus builds our lives up and puts our lives together is through the context of a church family. Through the context of of a church family. The greater we are engaged in the life of the church, the stronger we can become. But the less we are engaged in the life of the church, the weaker we may remain. Here at New Life Church, we're looking at today the core value number two. Here at New Life Church, we value being discipleship-driven. Here's what we mean by that. We value being true followers of Jesus. We are people of the Word of God. Say, Word of God. His Word is the bedrock of our faith and the anchor of our souls. We are people of prayer. Say, prayer. Because relationship with God is important because a church that prays together, what? Amen. Stays together. And we are people of community. Say, community. Relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is important because a church that stays together grows together. Amen? A disciple. Talking about being a disciple. A disciple in its simplest, truest definition is this. It's a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus Christ. So, discipleship is embedded in relationship. 
Relationship is the vehicle that drives discipleship. I'm going to say that again. This discipleship is embedded in what? Relationship. And relationship is the vehicle that drives discipleship. You can see this and you look at Jesus' life. He spent three and a half years investing his heart, soul, mind, and strength into the lives of 12 eclectic, motley crew people. Not the band, some of you 80s rockers. <laughs> but you see how he invested three and a half years of everything he had into these 12 people. And they, they later became world changers for the kingdom of God. He taught them, he showed them, he modeled for them the way for them to pattern their life. They in turn then, after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, they in turn then, through the help of the Holy Spirit, began to do the very same thing that Jesus did for them. They built relationships with people. In essence, they began to disciple people. And you can follow this through in the, in the beginning of, of Acts, the very story of the book of Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. That's the the birth of the church at large. And you see that in the beginning, in Acts 1, there was 120 believers gathered in the upper room. They were gathered upstairs together, and it says they were praying together. And then by Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when God poured forth the Holy Spirit, which we will be celebrating the day of Pentecost on May the 24th. May the 24th. So that's the day we're honoring graduates, the 24th as well. Not on Next Gen Sunday. Okay. I didn't want to get in your business. I just didn't. Okay. You got it all squared away. All right. But the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover, which for us it'll be May 24th, that Sunday. We'll celebrate that. On that day, we see 3,000 in the, in the book of Acts, we see 3,000 people become born again. 3,000 new believers. And here's what happens. It said uh, immediately those 3,000 believers, it said all of those believers, said they devoted themselves to going out to eat pizza and hanging out at the bowling alley. No, it said they devoted themselves to what? To the church. In other words, they devoted themselves to each other. And then the things inside the church, the Word of God, prayer, the Lord's table, and different things to that nature, fellowship. And then by Acts chapter 4, the church has grown to over 5,000 people. And by the time you get to Acts chapter 6, you see it says the church grew rapidly. It was rapidly multiplying. Rapidly multiplying. That's, I long to see that in our day and time where the church in America especially is rapidly multiplying. That there not be enough seats, there not be enough bleachers, there not be enough uh, steps, there not be enough pews, there not be enough doorways because the church is so rapidly multiplying with people from the world coming to Jesus Christ. Anybody have a heart to see that in your day and time? Amen. I long to see people reaching people, people teaching people, people leading people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then by the time you get to Acts 
chapter 9. There is a shift in the religious sect. A man by the name of Saul, who was a Pharisee, is converted and he becomes a Christian. And God changes his name from Saul to Paul. And so instead of taking away from the church like Paul did, now he's, God's going to use Paul to add to the church. Instead of hurting the church like Paul did, now Paul is going to be helping the church. So over the course of a little time, Paul spends time with other disciples and other leaders in the church becoming discipled. He was a scholar of the word. He knew it forwards and backwards and of the law. But now he was learning how to actually care for people within the love of Christ. And so you begin to see Paul then take trips, take journeys. A lot of our Bibles have these in the back, have little maps in the back. I don't know if you ever looked at those maps, but it says Paul's missionary journeys. Paul spending his, the rest of his life going to travel and oversee churches, strengthen churches, and plant churches. And one of those churches that Paul is a big help to is right here, the church at Corinth. That's what we're going to look at now. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul writes two letters that are recorded in the Bible. And we're going to look at Paul's relationship with the Corinthian believers. This is an example of how discipleship is embedded in relationship and how relationship is the vehicle that drives discipleship. Paul spent the better part of two years with these believers, laying a foundation for them. He labored with them and prayed with them and spent time with them. He invested heart and soul and sweat and tears for almost two years with these Corinthian believers. He had a lot invested in them. And it's through Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth that he demonstrated what it takes to grow in Christ. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 21 this morning. And I have it also, I've chosen the message version, and it's going to be on the screen for your following along if you don't happen to have that available in your, in your hands today. But we're going to look at verses 14 through 21, and here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at three things Paul lays out here that are required for discipleship to truly take place in our lives. You ready? You guys ready? Going to look at three things that are required for true discipleship to take place in our life. Looking at Paul's relationship with the Corinthian believers. Verses 14 and 15 first. He says this. He says, I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. He says, I'm writing as a father to you, my children. You see his his care, his concern, the relational aspect he has. He says, I love you and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. And there are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. God knows that's the truth, right? But there aren't many fathers, there aren't many people, there aren't many relationships willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. Number one, it takes time and effort for true discipleship to take place in our life. It doesn't just happen. Can you say time and effort? It takes time and effort. It takes time with God. It takes time with people. 
God usually doesn't get on our nerves, but people, people do, right? Oh, if we could just go with God all alone and leave people out of the way, we think we would be happier. But you know what? You'd be so agonized in your spirit. You'd be so tormented in your soul. You know why? Because in the beginning when God created man, he said it is not good for man to be alone. God made man for relationship. And friends, it takes time, and it sure takes a whole lot of effort to build relationships, doesn't it? And first and foremost, it takes time and effort in our prayer life to build a relationship with God. We're taught by scriptures that we are to have a daily prayer life and we are to have a corporate prayer life. A daily prayer life and a corporate prayer life. That we should prioritize our time to be with God and we should certainly prioritize and put forth the effort to be with God. Because we know God sure did put a whole lot of time and effort into reaching out to us, did he not? Some of us, well, really all of us, without the aid and the help of God's time and effort pursuing us, we would be lost. There's no telling what would happen to us based on where we've come from and what we've been brought up in and the choices you and I have made over the course of our time. But thank God for His grace. Amen? Come on, who's thankful for the grace of God today? Every day we should be thankful for the grace of God. It's by His grace we are what we are. It's His grace that keeps us. It's His grace that pursues us. It's His grace that covers us. It's His grace that raises us up and makes us stronger. Amen. By His grace. And so it takes time and effort. Our daily prayer life. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6 Matthew records, it's in the process, in the, in the middle of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus said, he, he emphasized and he taught his disciples how to pray. He said, you guys need to learn to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those of the debts of others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Jesus is not getting that, hey, just recite these words and everything's going to be okay. That's not what he's getting at. And what he's getting at is creating a pattern of how we should pattern our prayer life. He gives us an example to follow, a daily prayer life. And in fact, Paul goes on to admonish the believers in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, hey, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. I read a little, I've seen it twice now in the last couple of days, a little uh, email thing I get, and it said, pray every morning, pray every night, and often in between. I think that's just a real short, simple way to really live our life. Pray every morning, pray every night, and pray often in between. A, a daily prayer life. And if you're like me, 
We need a little reinforcement. We need some resource. So there's all kinds of things made available to us in this age, in this day and time. There's all kinds of good things that you and I can glean from and learn from. You can go online. You can go to uversion.com, thebible.com. There's all kinds of devotionals, all kinds of prayer devotionals, all kinds of books on prayer, all kinds of things that you and I can avail ourselves to. But hey, we've got to put forth the what? The time and the effort. Because you and I won't grow strong in God if we don't put forth the time and the effort. Amen? You wouldn't have a relationship with your spouse if you didn't put forth the the effort. Amen? Your boss won't keep you around very much in that relationship if you don't put forth the... God loves us. He knows us. But friend, we must pursue Him. Our souls will ache. Our souls will continue to be bankrupt and empty unless God fill our souls. And that happens when you and I put forth time and effort in our daily prayer life. Pray every morning, pray every night, and pray often in between. But you know what? As a, as a young believer coming up now, I've been serving the Lord now for 23 years. Praise God. I know that's not long to, compared to some of your stories. You've been around the block twice as long as I have. And praise God for that. And thank God you're willing to sit here and listen to a young guy like me preach to you every week. But one of the things that taught me how to develop my daily prayer life was being around other believers, listening to them pray. It's called a corporate prayer life. It's called gathering yourself together with other believers and praying. In fact, Acts breaks open, the book of Acts breaks open, it said that they were found together in constant prayer with one another. They were praying together with one another. And Paul admonishes Timothy when he writes to his young protege, Timothy, a pastor at Ephesus, and he says, I'm writing to tell you this, you need to teach your people this, may everybody pray all the time. And may they learn to pray for all people and intercede for them on their behalf. That not only are we called to have a daily prayer life and, and have build our relationship up with God, but we are also called to pray for other people because, friend, somewhere, somebody was, was always praying for you. There's somebody always praying for somebody. And I'd have to say, I'd put money on, and if I was a betting man, that mamas were praying for their babies. So young people... Old people, if your mom is still around, thank God for those prayers. Amen? God hears those prayers. I believe God hears the prayer of a mom pretty well. But a corporate prayer life, praying with other believers teaches us how to pray. And I don't mean we copycat everybody else's prayer, but what that does, it begins to teach us, especially if we struggle in our daily prayer life, we need some people that we can listen to, people we can watch, people we can learn from. Amen? A daily and a corporate 
prayer life, but it, it takes time and it takes effort. Corporately here at our church, we pray every Sunday morning around 10 a.m., right before worship, our worship gathering right here. We pray right here. We pray every month on the fourth Saturday of every month at 10 a.m. There's no better time and opportunity than to be around other believers who are praying. You can get inspired, you can be challenged, but you can also grow and learn in how to build up your prayer life. Being around other praying believers teaches us to do that. Amen? Let's look at number two. That was the first thing. Number two, what it takes to have true discipleship in our life. The second part of verse 15 says, It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. Number two, it takes God's word to be a true disciple, for true discipleship to take place in our life. Not only time and effort in prayer, but time and effort with God's word. It takes God's word to help us grow up in Christ. Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. That's what God's Word is capable of doing. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that God's Word is alive and God's Word is active and God's Word is powerful. So therefore it has the ability to bring forth change. And Psalm 119, 105 reminds us that God's Word is a lamp and a light unto our feet and unto our path. So therefore God's Word directs us and God's Word guides us. God's Word teaches us. God's Word corrects us. God's Word builds our lives up and it brings forth change by equipping us to be stronger Christians and followers, a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we want to grow up strong in Christ, friends, then we've got to put forth the time and the effort in God's Word. We need it corporately as we gather together as the church. We need it individually as we go throughout our day and throughout our week. We need, the, we need the reliance upon and the dependence upon God's Word. If you want to advance, you want to grow, and you want to become stronger, and you want your faith to be built up, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. God's Word is the only thing that will build your faith. God's Word is the only thing that can help you in your faith. It's testimonies and stories and life changes in other people, that sure helps. But when you put yourself in the middle of God's Word and you get the revelation of Scripture, anybody ever remember the, one of the first times you got revelation from God's Word? That aha moment, that, oh, that's what that is. Anybody recall those moments? Come on, let me see your hands. You ain't sleeping on Mother's Day. Come on. Your mamas want you to take, you, take them out to eat and spend some time with them, so stay awake, amen? The best thing you can do for your mother is grow in Christ. That'll make her happy, amen? That'll make her happy, yeah. But you remember the revelation, some of the revelations you first got. It was inspiring. I'm sure it was, it was, it was exciting when you first got those revelations. That's the ability God's Word has. That revelation then brings forth transformation. What once used to get you, when you get the revelation of God's Word in that area, that thing never gets you again. 
It loses its grip. It loses its power. It loses its ability because what the writer in Hebrews says, God's word is alive and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to change us. It's able to define us. It's able to make us. It's able to mold us. It's able to push us forth in the ways of God. Amen. How many of you want your lives to go forward in God's will, in God's ways? You need His Word. And number three, the third thing that takes to make true discipleship happen in our life, to grow in Christ, is this. It takes each other. It takes prayer. It takes God's Word. But it takes each other. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. Paul says, I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. This is why I sent Timothy to you earlier. He is also my dear son and true to the master. He will refresh your memory, or he will remind you how I follow Christ. And on the instructions I regularly give all the churches on the way of Christ. There are three things about how, we, how it takes each other for true discipleship to take place in our life. Number one, it takes each other's patterns. We need each other's patterns to look at. We need examples that we can look to in order to see, hey, how can I follow Christ better in this way, in this area? You know, as a man, I look to other Christian men for an example. Even at 39, I'm still looking at other Christian men that are down the road and stronger in Christ so I can learn from them. As a husband, as a Christian husband, I'm looking to other Christian husbands all around who do a better job at loving and serving their wife and children than I do so that it can inspire me to make some changes. As a father, I look to other Christian fathers for patterns, for examples. You know, just because you look for patterns and look for examples doesn't make you weak. That'll make you stronger. Because somewhere, somebody's always doing it better than you and me. And we need to be humble enough to learn from somebody else. Amen? If you, if you can't learn and be teachable from somebody else, then you've got a real problem. It's called pride. And pride comes before a fall, meaning your life is going to start tumbling and falling apart and unraveling. Just give it a little time and it'll happen. But humility is what brings forth God's grace. We need to be humble and we need to be teachable. Amen? But we, we have patterns to look at. You know, I will never forget this. I was in church one day. It's been years ago. And one of our Christian brothers came in. And his children came running up to him. They were, he was standing right by his wife. And his kids came running up to him and hugged him and kissed him. And he hugged him and kissed him and told them all how excited he was to see him and all that stuff. And, and he turned and he kissed his wife and, and said hello. And then he turned and he, and he was looking at me. And he goes, hmm. I was looking at the whole thing. And I'm like, what's up? He said, you know, I, I should have embraced my wife first in front of my kids. Not that I'm not excited to see either one. He said, because I want my children to know that when I walk into a room, she still lights up my life. Because that's what teaches them that their mother will always light up their life. 
that has stuck with me for it's probably been five or six years ago. That has always stuck with me. That's a pattern. That's an example that, especially if we're married, we shouldn't put others before our spouse. Our kids are important, absolutely. But we need that union to be strong, amen? That union to be healthy. Paul, in fact, was, went on to say later in the book of Corinthians, he said, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I mean, who says that? Can we say that with good, humble confidence? Hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul later, he told the church in Philippi, the Philippian believers, he said, pattern your lives after mine. Philippians 3.17, he said, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Friends, we need a pattern in front of our life. The clothes you and I are wearing today, somebody made a pattern for somebody to trace and cut out the material and sew it together so that the arms aren't too long and one's too short and the buttons are in the right place and the zipper's in the right spot. A pattern to follow, a pattern to trace. And friends, we have that in each other. It takes each other's patterns, each other's examples. Amen. Number two, it takes this. It also takes each other's presence. Verses 18 through 20 takes each other's presence. Paul said, I know there are some among you who are so full of themselves, they never listen to anyone, let alone me. Anybody know anybody like that? Mm, no, something up there. <laughs> they don't think I'll ever show up in person, but I'll be there sooner than you think, God willing, and then we'll see if they're full of anything but hot air. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. And I believe one of the things Paul's getting at is this, is the power of presence. Many people can talk big when there's that somebody or that so-and-so's not around. <laughs> but when they're around, that really shows who you really are, right? Because the power of presence. We need each other's presence in our life. If you're here today and you think you're not important, you're not wanted and you're not needed, you need to quit listening to that lie. The devil is a lie. Tell the truth, shame the devil. That's right. Go and tell the truth, shame that devil. The devil is a lie. You would not believe how many people deal in battle with feeling alone. We could be surrounded by a hundred people, and yet we could feel alone. Never take for granted the power of your presence. Just showing up sometimes is all that matters. Your physical presence showing up in someone's life, expected or unexpected, helps. It takes each other's presence. Amen? Being there counts. Good times, bad times, hard times. As the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, we need to be present 
in each other's lives, in the good and the bad, in the happy or the sad, right? We need to be able to count on each other. This series is called We Are the Church, and the kind of church Jesus is building is one that's going to be strong, one that's going to be stout, and one that's going to be victorious. And if that's going to be the case, then friends, we got to be present with each other. We have to make our presence known. Now, I'm not talking about being rude and, you know, full of yourself or any of that kind of nonsense. I'm talking about just being real and being there for each other. Birthdays, deaths, funerals, weddings, anniversaries, divorces, sickness, good health times. A lot of you, I know, you can share story after short story. We've let you do this before, and we continue to do that as you share how many people have been there for you in our church over the times of difficulty and celebration. I know this is a time of celebration, graduations. New babies have just been born in our church. See, those are all times that we are present with each other, amen. I know growing up, one of the greatest things that, has, that, that, that I... Um, that helped me as a person. Well, I, I grew up playing basketball and baseball. And when I got on the court or got on the field, I'd always look out to the bleachers to see if my mom or dad were there. As long as one of them was there, it didn't matter. I, I was good. You guys know that. You better know your mom and dad love you, buddy. They spent a lot of time, a whole lot of money on you, boy. Hey, Amen to that. Anybody got a loan? Can they get a loan? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I can say that for parents. We spent a lot of time, spent a lot of money. But listen, it's not for naught. It's seed sown. Kids will grow up, get old, have kids. They're going to be there for them. And they're going to say, I learned that by watching my parents. We need each other's presence. Amen. We need each other's presence. And the third thing, Jake, can you help me wrap up, buddy? How many of you guys appreciate Jake and worship team? The third part, on t and it takes each other. It takes each other's partnership. It takes each other's partnership. Verse 21, the final verse here says, So, how should I prepare to come to you, Paul says, as a severe disciplinarian who makes you toe the mark? No. As a good friend or a good counselor who wants to share heart to heart with you? Yeah. You decide. I believe there are three roles you and I can play in our partnership with each other in the body of Christ. One, we can we play the role of being a good disciplinarian. What I mean by that is someone who helps hold one another accountable. How many of you could say with a good measure of heart, hey, my life is better because somebody spoke the truth in love in my life? Yeah, most of us. And again, if you can't receive truth being spoken in love, then friend, you got a problem. You're full of yourself. And we're not supposed to be full of ourselves. We're supposed to be full of Jesus. Jesus was humble and teachable.
He did what his father told him to do. A good disciplinarian, accountability. You know, these are people who carry weight in our life. Not somebody who's just going to let us say anything, do anything, and get away with it, but somebody who's going to be there. Like that teacher growing up in grade school would spat that hand with a ruler, or open hand with a ruler. I don't know if you ever had that done to you. Yeah, that hurt. Many times they said it. But we all are called to help to be good disciplinarians in each other's lives. You see, we're in Christ together, therefore we have the right and the responsibility to do that for each other. And I know we don't always want to hear it. I know we don't always want to hear it, but friend, we need it. And the second way, that another role we can exp- expand and display our partnership with each other in the body of Christ is being a good friend. Paul says that, come as a good friend. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 18.1, he says, unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Another translation of that says, if you want to have friends, then you need to show yourself to be friendly. And at the end of that chapter, verse 24, it says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And Proverbs 27, 17 says this about friends, As iron sharpens iron, so a real friend sharpens a friend. So being a good friend to one another, to each other, means we care for, we stick close to, and we sharpen. We sharpen each other. Amen? Good friends do that with each other. True friends. If you can't give it and receive it, you're not a good friend. Just not a good friend. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself friendless. Not anybody else's fault but your own. It's just how it works. Let's be a good friend, amen? Let's be a good friend. And the third way we can expand our partnership with each other in Christ is to be a good counselor. To be a good counselor really means to be a good listener first. Because James, the Apostle James reminded us in James 1.19, he says to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, I know, I know we are often quick to speak, slow to listen. I know that. But there's a reason he told us to do that. Because if we're not quick to listen and slow to speak, we're going to be fast to anger. Real fast to anger. To speak well means we've got to listen well. Amen? So let's not be too quick to interject our words or some people say, our two cents worth. To be a good counselor, we've got to learn to be a better listener. But here's the thing, though. Not everything requires a response. Sometimes it just requires an ear. Good disciplinarian, a good friend, a good counselor. 
strong partnership. It takes strong partnership. It takes each other for discipleship to truly take place in our life. Discipleship is embedded in relationship. And relationship is the vehicle that drives discipleship. If you want to grow in Christ and you want to be a true disciple, it takes time and effort in prayer. It takes God's word and it takes each other. Let's stand to our feet. three things we need to ask ourselves today. Three things we need to ask ourselves. Number one, how strong is my prayer life, both daily and corporately? Number two, how active am I in God's Word? Number three, how healthy are my relationships in the church? Do I have examples I look to in following Christ? Do I seek out and welcome the visible presence of people in my life? And am I a good partner to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Depending on our answers, we need to ask God to help us to grow in our prayer life, to be more consistent in His Word, and to work at strengthening our relationships in the church. Because none of those things just happen on their own. It takes time and effort. It requires the relationship of the Holy Spirit being active in our life. And if we will open our life up to that, then the Holy Spirit will truly help you and I to be discipleship driven let's take a moment to ponder on this Jake lead us through the course and as you lead us through this course today as we wrap up today and we'll pray here in just a moment meditate on what you just heard meditate on those questions ask yourself how strong is your prayer life how consistent and active are you in God's word and how healthy are your relationships in the church? And let's open our hearts up to God to make us stronger in all of those areas. Because that is when true discipleship truly takes place in our life. Let's respond today in a song to the Lord, and then we'll pray. I need you more. More than yesterday, I need you more. More than words could say, I need you more. More than ever before, I need you more. I need you, Lord. Sing that again. I need you, Lord. More than yesterday, I need you more. 
More than words could say, I need you more. More than ever before, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you more. More than yesterday, I need you more. More than words could say, I need you more. More than ever before, I need you, my Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you more. More than yesterday, I need you more. More than words could say, I need you more. More than ever before, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to the Lord this day. Father, we need you more than we did yesterday. Lord, we need you more than ever before. I know we're at different paths and at different stages of life. But nonetheless, it does not change the fact that we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our prayer life, oh God. Where we're weak and where we struggle, I pray for guidance for each of us. I pray for direction. I pray for a desire to grow in each of us to pray and to pray with each other and to pray for each other. Lord, I pray that there be a hunger in us for your word. Not just when we need the crisis hotline help, but Lord, there would be a daily dependence. Give us our daily bread. Give us the daily bread we need for our spirits and our souls. May there be a hunger, an increase in hunger in us that will cause us to look to you and your word every day. Lord, and so many relationships in life are hard enough We've got each other as the body of Christ. And some of our relationships, Lord, are not always strong and healthy. And a lot of them are. So, Lord, where they're not strong and healthy, I pray you would make them strong and healthy in each of us. Where we need to see and realize we need each other. We need each other's partnership. We need each other's presence. And we need each other's pattern of example. I thank you, Lord, that you grow in each of us this week. You grow in each of us this week and expand us in your kingdom, I pray. That where we have been weak, you make us strong. 
by your help, by your grace, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I started a new thing last week. If you weren't here last week, as New Life Church, I've started a blessing. It's called a benediction, a blessing. It's found in number 6, verses 24 through 26, that I like to read and state over you. And as I, I remind you as you leave today, mothers, don't forget, if you haven't gotten your Lindor truffles, if you already got some and you want more and there's more there, help yourself. You deserve them. And don't forget us, if you need prayer throughout the week, not only do we have each other, but you can also contact us at the office and we will make sure we pray for you and add you to the prayer list. The blessing. The Lord bless you by constantly bringing good into your life. The Lord keep you so that the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross should guard all that is sacred and precious about you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you by having His glory always shine on your life. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you by always letting you know that He is fully present in your life and is self-giving to you. The Lord give you peace. A peace that is unthreatened and undisturbed. And may your soul feel its worth in the significance of Christ Jesus as you go today. God bless you, my friends. New Life Church, if anyone needs personal prayer, please come forward and we will do that. Have a powerful and overcoming week in Jesus' name. Just one thing, if anybody is interested in being a part of our praise and worship team in any way, you sing, you play an instrument, we're going to have a meeting on May 24th right after church. You can talk to Jake about it. We would love to have you be a part of that. But all ladies today, whether you are, have your own children or not, make sure you grab your treat as you leave today. God bless.